Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello, hello. This is Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law Podcast. I'm super excited to have you here with me today because we are talking about something near and dear to my heart, and that is how your mindset impacts your results. Now, I'm especially talking about this today in respect of business growth. So for anybody out there who wants your own book of business, whether it's right now you're working on it or it's something you know you want or need to do soon, and even for those of you who aren't yet at that stage, I think it is important for you to look forward and understand what's required. And frankly, there are things that you can be doing now, even if you are in your just, you know, first, second, third, fourth year of practice and you're not needing to grow your own book of business yet that are really important for you to start doing. There are things you can do that are foundational to learning the skills that you need to be able to network effectively to grow your business, to be able to market effectively to grow your business, and to be able to sell effectively to grow your business. And in fact, I would say that all three of those things are things you can be doing no matter what level you're at, how long you have been practicing law. The other thing I would say for you, um, for those of you out there who are not in private practice but are in-house, you can listen to today's episode and get a lot out of it too because it is highly applicable to other areas of everybody's life. It's not just applicable to growing your business. But I do find that this comes up so often, this kind of scarcity mindset that I see comes up so often when it comes to growing a book of business that I wanted to tackle that more specifically. And I think also that when I talk about it more specifically and give you specific examples of what I mean, then it's a lot easier for you to get what I'm saying, right? It's a lot easier for you to use the lesson lessons that have been learned and to see them in the first place, regardless of where you apply them. What's interesting about that is the more specific you get, the easier it is for anybody to understand but also the easier it is for you to apply to other areas of your life. So even if you're in-house, I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. So don't turn me off just because uh, the examples I'm giving are specifically talking about business growth and business development. Okay, so here is what I'm talking about. And I'm going to start by by giving you some examples. And then we'll go more generally into the type of mindset that – is getting in the way and how to start combating it. So I'm going to give you kind of a story of partner A versus partner B. And let's start with partner B. Partner B views business development as an obligation, something he's got to do to grow his practice, but not something he really likes doing. Doesn't like doing it, 
because you know what? There's just not enough time and there's no guarantee I'll be successful. And gosh, there's just so much to do and I don't even know where to start and it just feels so overwhelming. Because of this, there's not much of a strategy. So yes, he does some business development activities, but they're pretty scattershot. They're pretty haphazard, which then makes it hard to measure his return on investment because a return on investment only comes if you stay consistent with something, right? And consistent enough to where you can measure what your results are and you can see them and you can see, okay, what is versus isn't working and where do I need a tweak or course correct? If you're not doing things consistently over time, you're not going to be able to measure any sort of, you know, results. You're not going to be able to see what truly is versus isn't working. So you're not going to know what your ROI on what you're doing is. There's no way. So there's no tweaking. There's no course correcting. And so the results you're going to get are not going to be so great, right? Partner B attends networking events because he gets asked to them and of course he feels obligated to. But he doesn't do it as often as he knows he could or should. And because he's not spending enough time, he hasn't really put together a strategy for his networking. And so when he goes, there's no real goal in mind. What that means is he comes home with a drawer full of business cards from people that probably aren't a good fit. And sometimes he doesn't even know whether they are because most of what he did was talk small talk. So he never really even got into what their business is, what they do, whether they could utilize him or his partners at all. What does that mean? Well, all of those business cards go into a drawer but then collect dust and he never really follows up or develops any relationship with them. So he's gone to this networking event for naught. He hasn't taken anything away from it. He rarely asks for business. Because he feels like, you know, I shouldn't have to. I'm a lawyer. I'm not a salesman. I shouldn't have to ask for business. And it's super awkward and it feels kind of pushy. And so I'm not going to go there, right? So he doesn't really do it. And when he does, he fumbles his words and it's not very effective. And what happens is when he hears no, the first sight of no, he gives up. He thinks, oh, this was all for nothing. I spent all this time for a couple of months taking them to lunch, whining and dining them, only for them to say no. And so I give up. I'm not doing anything else. And so partner B doesn't have much of a book of business. He's primarily a service partner who keeps looking at others, including partner A, which we'll get into in a minute, inclu- including looking at others and says, how is it they have such robust businesses? How is it they're so profitable? Why do I have to keep hearing about all of the successes of the others? Because they're not even as good of a technical lawyer as me. Well, I hate to break it to you, but partner B might be an incredible technical lawyer, might be a much better technical lawyer than those partners he's comparing himself to. The problem is he's going at it from the wrong mentality, and that mentality is hurting him. So let's look at partner A. Partner A views business development as a long-term strategy that's primarily about relationship building for the purpose of helping people. So he takes a service-first mentality. And he knows that although every effort, every single thing he does is not going to reap big results, that it does take time. He's realistic about it. He's not overly positive. He also knows that what he needs is consistency. He needs a simple strategy he can be consistent with so that he can look on a quarterly or semi-annual basis 
measure the results he's getting, see where he's making progress, where he's not, and tweak accordingly. So with his mindset involved, here's what he does. He goes to networking events regularly. And when he goes, he goes in with a plan, a plan to ensure he comes away with at least one or two new connections that he feels like might lead to something. Now, that something does not necessarily have to be new business, but it could be a new connection in a new company that could one day have a potential, or it could be a new connection with somebody who might have other connections in areas that could help grow his business. So he goes in with a plan, right? And because he goes in with a plan, he has some questions in mind to get started. He doesn't stick to just small talk. He has questions that are designed to gain more understanding around the person's interests, the business that they're in, the challenges that they're facing, the industry, things that he might not know or understand. He is there with a curious mind to learn. If something comes up that, you know, they bring up as far as challenges or issues that they're facing that is in his neck of the words, he asks even more questions so that he understands what it is they're truly facing. And that if he has anything he can offer them, he does. So he gives away information, knowledge, tips, etc., for free without an expectation for immediate reciprocity. He will obtain their contact information if it makes sense and only if it makes sense. And he will follow up with an email and connect via LinkedIn within 48 hours of the event. Because again, he's taking the kind of mindset of this takes a while. This is a long haul game. I need, I'm here to build relationships. Now, sometimes he walks away from networking events with just one new contact. Sometimes he actually walks away with none. Even though he goes in with a goal or objective, he doesn't try to falsely fill that goal. If he's not meeting people that are relevant, that make any sense, he's not walking away with people then that he can follow up with. They're not new contacts for him, which he's fine with because, frankly, he can only follow up with so many people and he wants to make sure that he's following up with the right people. So this whole partner A versus partner B is meant to show you how much mindset really matters. It matters in how you show up. It matters in every single thing that you do. Not just within the realm of business development, but yes, it definitely matters there. And I see this so often. So I will tell you that a lot of the people who come to me have a mix, usually. They're not as drastic as partner B, but many of them do have some of those attributes of partner B. And a lot of the coaching that we do isn't just, okay, here's your strategy. Here are the steps you need to take. It's around the mental piece, the mindset piece to change their entire perspective around how they view client development. Because what they're doing is they're coming into the whole thing from a scarcity perspective. It's not going to work. It probably won't work. This is a waste of time. I don't have enough time. And again, you can apply this to everything, right? It's not just for business development. So whether you're preparing for oral arguments on a tough case that's been several years in the making, whether you're closing an adversarial deal that's taken eight months to get to, whether you're asking a prospect for their business, your mindset how you go into it thinking about it, the stories you're telling yourself is the foundation 
to creating the results you want. Now, caveat to this. I am not saying that if you have the right mentality, everything's going to go hunky-dory. You're always going to get the results you want. You won't. But it does enable you to get more of what you want. And it does enable you to learn, to have an open mind, so that you can learn from mistakes, so that you can learn from outcomes that don't go the way you want it, even if you did nothing wrong and made no mistakes, right? Not everything works out as you want, because that's just not life. It allows you to learn, which then allows you to do better moving forward, which then allows you to ultimately achieve a whole lot more of the things that you want. So I've mentioned several times now, scarcity mindset. What do I mean by that? What are you talking about here, Heather, when you say scarcity mindset? That they are bogged down by a scarcity mindset. So a scarcity mindset is focused on the struggle, on how hard it is, on how unlikely things are to work, around how limited your time is. When you go at things from a scarcity mindset, it makes you much less likely to do the things you need to do (laughs) to get the results you want, to even try. So you might set a big goal, for example. So if you are one of those people who loves to set goals at the beginning of the year, but very rarely ends up actually achieving them by the end of the year or even getting close, you probably are struggling with a scarcity mindset. Because what happens is we love to get excited about the setting of the goals and the look forward and all the possibilities. But then when we actually have to take the steps, we start to make excuses. Oh, there's just not enough time. Oh, God, this is so hard. This is not going to work anyway. Oh, it didn't work when I did this last time, so I'm not going to try again, right? It's easy for our minds to go there. Our minds are built to go there, y'all. And it's okay for your mind to say these things. We take past experiences and things that we see others do, and we tend to apply them to our lives as though they're the rule, they're the law, when actually they're just one experience. It's not the law. It's not the rule. It's not always going to happen that way. And we create a self-fulfilling prophecy (laughs) by not going all in. So when you have a scarcity mindset, you might still set the goal. You might even set out on the goal. But you're not necessarily going all in. And so when adversity strikes, you have reason to give up. You find reasons to stop or to slow down. That's why it's so bad. Because it convinces you from really trying as hard as you can for going after things. And I want to be really clear about something. People with the opposite, a growth mindset... It doesn't mean that they're any less scared. It doesn't mean that they actually feel more competent in every moment. It doesn't make it easier for them, okay? (laughs) Which I hate to break it to you. Discomfort is the norm for people with a growth mindset. I want to say that again. Discomfort is the norm for people with a growth mindset. So what a growth mindset is, is knowing that you're going to face adversity, knowing that it's going to be hard, and doing it anyway because you're willing to try. You know that you're going to learn regardless of how things work out. And as you learn, you're going to be better, do better, and get better, which means achieve more. 
So let me give you one last example of growth mindset versus scarcity mindset. And this is real life. This is from when I was an associate. I saw two partners, okay? There was a big slowdown, huge slowdown in my industry that massively impacted the partners in my firm at the time that were finance attorneys especially. So partner one lost 70, at least 70% of his book of business thanks to that change in the economy. His biggest client shut down and he had more than one client, but one client was a large chunk of his business, okay? Was he disappointed? Yes. Was it tough? Yes. But he knew he could rebuild because of where he had gotten to already. He looked at it and talked about this to me. I learned a lot from this guy. He looked at it as this. Because I had so much to lose, it meant that I'm capable of getting here again. I don't know when, but I do know it's possible because I got here before I can do it again. And one of my mistakes, so he learned from his mistakes, this is a growth mentality, is I relied a lot on one big client. I'm not doing that again. I need more clients. I need more diversity of my clients, which means building a bigger team so that they can support those clients. And so with that mindset, he set out, and over the course of a couple of years, he grew his business. He used his connections to network. He asked for introductions. Sometimes people said yes. Sometimes they said no, right? He gave some free workshops. They were like lunch and learns to clients and potential clients to grow his business. He gave out free information and tips. He told them how to avoid certain things. He asked questions. He asked, you know, told them what to watch for. All of this led to more conversations and allowed him to ask for more and more introductions. And over time, he primarily networked, by by the way, to grow his business. Over time, a couple of years later, he'd almost regained everything he'd lost. A couple more years, he doubled that with a lot more clients. He was not over-reliant on one or two. He had a much bigger, diverse client list and a bigger, diverse book of business and built his team along the way. So that was partner one. Partner two was impacted very similarly to partner one in the downturn. He also lost a lot of business. I think he lost like 50-60% of his business. Instead of looking at it and reframing it the way partner one did around, look, I got here before, I can do it again, this sucks, but it's just proof that I can do this and I'm going to learn from this and here's what I take from it. Instead of doing that, he became what I would call a martyr. (laughs) The woe is me, look what I used to have, how could this have happened, this is not fair, why did it have to happen? That became kind of the norm for him. He would look at other people who were more successful, and he would compare himself, and it would make him feel bad. And so over the course of the next two years, while the first partner was rebuilding his business, he hardly brought anything in. And over that time period, he went from somebody who had his own book of business to somebody who was considered primarily a service partner, who then, by the way... (laughs) A couple of years later, was reliant on two main partners supporting them. One of them left. 
Work started to slow down and dry up, and this particular partner was asked to leave. This is why mindset is so important and what the difference of having a scarcity mindset versus a growth mindset will do for you, okay? So here is my question for you. I want you to ask yourself and I want you to be really honest with yourself about this answer. Where does a scarcity mindset show up for you? Where does it show up? Be honest and answer that question. And the second one is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to reach out to somebody for help? Are you going to talk about it with somebody? That's a good first option. Sometimes it's really, well, not sometimes. It is necessary to admit where it's showing up and how it's showing up to be able to change it. It's kind of the first step. So I'd say you want to do that. And then you want to talk about, well, how do I want to change this? How do I reframe this? How would I like to learn from this? How can I start taking action despite these feelings? How can I lean into that discomfort? Because as I said earlier, a growth mindset requires you to accept and acknowledge that there's discomfort and there's always going to be discomfort. So case in point. So I have recently opened up applications to my mastermind. And I invite you, if you are looking to grow your business and you want to do it in an environment where you're supported fully by your peers who are on a very similar journey, who understand you and who are there to support you, and through you know an expert mentorship, me, to help you do that, then I invite you to join. But it's not the only way that I'm going to fill the mastermind. So the mastermind is... It's unique in that I need to have the right fit of people, which means I need to interview people and I need to make sure that the people who are interested will fit together. So there's a process to this, right? It doesn't guarantee you a spot if you apply. It guarantees you get to talk to me and I get to know you and you get to know me. And if I think you're going to be a good fit, I will then offer you a spot. And it's up to you at that point to either take it or say, no, I don't think it's for me or it's not the right time or whatever, right? But because of how this happens, I reach out to people specifically too. And I'm having to do less of that because my network is definitely online network and my newsletter and through this podcast, I've, you know, gotten to know more people and there's more people who reach out to me for this opportunity now. But that wasn't always the case. And even then, I reach out to people who I think might be a good fit, who I know it would be good for. And that, y'all, is so hard. I hate it. I don't like reaching out like that. It's uncomfortable because I don't know if they're truly interested. I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know 100% their circumstances. I have an idea. I only reach out to certain people, but I don't know for sure. And so that unknowingness makes my mind, you know, say all those things about this isn't going to work. They're not going to be interested. They're going to think you're pushy. Let me just tell you, but that's still there. But I've learned how to manage that. I've learned to confront it and say, you know what? You're making assumptions. You absolutely don't know for sure. And I would be more upset by not reaching out and hearing later they would have been interested than doing a reach out. You know, making a phone call, sending a couple of emails and saying, hey, here's what I got going on. If you're interested, let me know. And if I did not have the right mindset, the right mentality, I wouldn't do it. And had it not been for that mindset, that mentality, the growth-oriented mindset, 
I would never have started the mastermind because when I first started it, <laughs> I had to cold call people. I had to reach out to past contacts who I really didn't know whether they'd be interested or not because I was just getting started in this area. And interestingly enough, there was somebody that I reached out to early on who became a member of my first mastermind group. I reached out to her probably 10 to 15 times. I don't even know. It was so many, I lost count. And I kept at it because I knew she was busy and I know her MO. She had been a previous one-to-one client. And I knew that she meant to get back to me and just kept forgetting. And I finally got a hold of her and she was like, oh my God, I'm so glad you didn't give up because yes, I'm very interested and I really need this. Had I had a scarcity mindset, after the first time or two, I would have stopped. And I didn't. Now, I didn't reach out to everybody that much, mostly her, because I know her so well. But again, it just shows you, don't give up. Learn how to manage those stories that your brain tells you. Learn how to counteract them. Learn how to challenge them. And learn how to fail forward. Learn as you go. Adopt a growth mindset. It will blow your mind the type of things that you can achieve once you do it. All right. That is it for this week. Again, I offer to you the mastermind. If you are in private practice and you are looking to exponentially grow your business without growing stress levels, we work on three things through the mastermind. There are three main areas where you need help with. Number one, strategy. We build a strengths-based strategy that's super simple so you do not get overwhelmed or stressed out. It's simple It's manageable. It allows you to be consistent. It allows you to measure your ROI and course correct as you go. You get the support that you need through your peers that are your members, the members of your group. And it's a very small group, like four of you. And then through me, through expert coaching and consulting that you get, since I've been there, done that, it can help you with it. So you get your strategy, you get support and systems. One of the things I help my clients with that are part of the mastermind is how to put systems in place to save you time. And that includes those of you in very small firms and solo lawyers. I have had my fair share of clients like that. There are systems you can put in place that are time-saving, even without a support staff. Okay, so I invite you to apply if you are interested. I will have a link in the show notes where you can find it. All right, that's it for this week. We will be back next week with another guest. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.